So we're, we're going to, this is my second last message of this series. It's been a bit of a long series for me. I, get, this is, I do really well if I get to eight. Um, but uh, I, this, is, this is part nine of, of ten. And, and then I'm going to start, a, I've got a new series coming up, which is a bit different. It's called Weird. Um, yeah, it's a bit weird. Yes, it is different. It's weird. But um, no, it's, it's something that just, I got inspired. So it's a little bit of a different take on certain things, but... Um, you know, I, I tell you what, having a roof over your head is pretty cool, um, especially in this time. Uh, having a roof is a wonderful thing. I mean, gosh, it protects you from the elements. That's one important thing, but it gives you a, a sense of security as well. There's been many a times when, <laughs> I know, we've talked to people and they're, they're concerned if they'll be able to put a roof over their head or trying to keep a roof over their head. And there's people that... Uh, desperately trying to keep a roof over their head and trying to work through things and um, connect with other people and try and get creative just to make sure that they have a roof over their head. i still got a bit of a, a dry, sore throat. This, these sickness things that are floating around take a little while to, to kick. So, um, And we've got a few people that are being hit with it. So Now, I don't know how you feel, but an umbrella is a handy tool. Umbrellas are handy in the rain. They keep you dry, or majority of you dry. They keep you dry for the same reason a roof is important. A helmet is important. A helmet can do wonderful things. And if you're riding a bike or riding a scooter, you should be wearing a helmet. Or if you're riding a motorbike, you need a helmet. Uh, my helmet saved my life. I was involved in a motorbike accident quite a while, seven years ago now. And my helmet is what saved me. Um, it got a nasty crack and I ripped off all the front and it was, I still got the helmet, but uh, it had a level of protection that actually kept me alive. It's the only thing that actually kept me alive probably, um, even though I fully knocked myself out after hitting the tree at, at uh, 100 kilometers an hour. But by the grace of God, I'm alive. But that helmet, that's why I kept it, because it reminds me I am alive here today because that helmet protected me. It's got cracks. It doesn't look very nice. It's got some mar good marks on it. It's a bit smashed up, but it's still in one piece, just like my head. Although some people will probably argue that. Now, God is the greatest source of protection. He offers us a source of, uh, a source of protection regardless of whether or not we fully understand it. But sometimes, like a lot of things when it comes to God, we can actually doubt. We can doubt that He's really there. We can doubt that His fullness or whether or not He does protect us. I know even in my period of time of coming through my accident, you start questioning things. I was questioning whether or not God actually does protect, whether or not some of His scriptures in His Word are actually true. I mean, how can you claim that God protects you when you have a major, major accident? But I found that sometimes we don't understand what God's protection actually means. Sometimes we can misunderstand when God says He does things or when He says He has things for us. Because we're so in tuned in the way we think, we don't honestly sometimes think the way that God thinks. God's protection can look very different to how we might think it does. It's not always to keep us away from 
all harm. Sometimes it's allow us to go through certain things because there's a purpose for it. I mean, life is hard. There's heartache. There's sorrow. There's all different emotions that flow through life. And sometimes what God allows us to go through is just part of life. And his protection helps us through those, those moments, but not always to keep us from them. I know when we were discussing how we were going to raise our two kids, it can be easy to go, okay, we'll protect them, we'll put them in bubbles, and we'll protect them from every possible thing that could ever happen in their life. But obviously, that doesn't help them very much. And even if you keep them away from all sorts of sicknesses and everything else, all you do is weaken their immune system. And so sometimes them getting colds or flus or bits of sickness is healthy. Look, I come from an era where if you knew someone who had chicken pox, you would send your kids to play with that kid, right? And if you come from a little bit, if you're a little bit older, that's what you normally did because you were like, if my kids get chicken pox when they're young, it's so much easier than when they're older, right? Because when they get older, it can actually be quite dangerous. So that's what you did. What? Jimmy's got, Jimmy's got chicken pox? You guys are going to play with Jimmy. <laughs> it would help us build our immune system, right? Now in Psalms 121, verse 1 to 8, we won't be reading all the verse 1 to 8. We just come read the verse few, first ones. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He will keep you and you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from the time forth and forever. Now you have to notice that there are certain words that are repeated. And if you go back into the original text, the Hebrew, there's actually a word that's actually repeated six times, although in the English we actually give it three different words. And that's the words keep, protect, and guard. They all mean the same thing. But this whole psalm has a central theme of protection. God's protection over those who are his. God looks after and he protects us. He is the good shepherd and we are his sheep. The message of God's protection is actually for what we classify as the pilgrims. And now if you were here last week, you would have heard my story about the pilgrims or what it means to be a pilgrim. And the pilgrim, the theme coming from that word pilgrim means one who is going home or one who is on a journey to go home. And I talked about the, the, the famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress, and the kids watched the movie in kids' church for their last Sunday called The Pilgrim's Progress. It all worked in really well. But it's about a story about what it's like to walk on the Christian walk, the Christian life, the walk through all the difficulties and the challenges and having to battle your way through some things, but understanding that God's protection is over you. We are pilgrims on our way home to the Father. And until we get to our destination, he will keep us, he will protect us, and he will guard us. Of course, unless we stray from his protection and we do our own thing. Now the opening line of this is, I will lift up my eyes. Now when you translate or when you go back to the original text, that word will is not there. 
that is an added word called English. In English, we like to add words to make more sense. But the actual phrase says, I lift up my eyes. Now, I think that the word will actually weakens the verse. I will lift up my eyes compared to I lift up my eyes. Now, sometimes it's always helpful to understand where you come from, your starting point. That God is the creator of the universe. That he is a God of power, a God of wisdom, and a God of glory. And in this theme of the Psalms, he, he is the God of protection. He is a God of power, he is a God of wisdom, and he is a glory, God of glory in all of this. And that we, in truth, have nothing to fear. In fact, the Bible says 365 times, do not fear. I mean, that's do not fear for one day of the week or one day of the year. God reminds us every single day, don't fear. Don't fear, I got you. God won't let you go to a place that you can't handle. God won't take you to a place that, you, that he can't rescue you from. God won't take you from a place that his protection won't cover you. Of course, that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't walk away from his protection. And we get that central concept or that, that image of the shepherd and the sheep. That the shepherd takes his sheep to the green pastures and watches over them. And when one starts to wander away, he goes and brings them back. Psalms 23. But this, this psalm is this concept of God's protecting love over us. That he is a God of power, he is a God of wisdom, that he is a God of glory, and that we have nothing to fear. It's like a small child. Small, small child, right? That where you take them somewhere where they've not often been or where they're scared or where they're thinking, then they don't go too far without being in reach. I know Nadia and I have this game that we play. Um, it's become a game. She was very shy. She would always turn away. Now it's become a game. But she doesn't go too far from, from Amanda or Duan. She stays close. Why? Because that's what you do, right? When you're a small child and you're in a weird place, you stay close to mum or dad. You stay close to that source of protection. Of course, it's even funnier when that small child loses their way and grabs onto someone else's leg. And you see that facial reaction when they finally look up. Oh, you're not my parent. And that concern because now they are away from their source of protection. It's interesting that when you, when you understand Jerusalem, right? everybody around Jerusalem knew Jerusalem. They knew that God was the God of Israel. They knew the stories of what God had brought Israel through. That when they looked on the side of Jerusalem that was situated on a mountain, they remember the, the reputation of God in that city. They knew God dwelt in that city. You go back, go back right to the, the books of Exodus and you go look, to, look at the stories of when Israelites when the Israelites left Egypt and they approached Jericho, Jericho already knew the reputation of the Israelites having God on their side. In fact, when, he, when Joshua sends the spies in, Rahab tells the story that they had already heard about the God of Israel to the point that she wanted to jump ship. I mean, you've got to ask the question, right? 
when a city that is massive, like it is, it's not a small city, right? When God sent the Israelites in, they went for the biggest city first. Why? Because God wants to show you that he is a God of protection, that he'll never take you to a place that you can't win in. And then he beats the biggest city first. That gives you a sense of that everything else is easy. But Rahab wanted to jump ship. Rahab tells of when she's talking to these two spies, actually she marries one of them. And she's saying, I've heard. I've heard the stories of God. I've heard what he did. I've heard what he did to the, Israel, uh, to the Egyptians. Gosh, I'm not sitting around waiting for that. I'm jumping ship. Tell me how to do this. And that's when they come to the story. Put a red cord in your window. And when we come, you'll be okay. But gather all those people that you want to come with you. So where do we lift our eyes to? Where does our help come from? Who do I turn to in my time of struggle? Who is my source? Gosh, if you really want to know the answer to that question, because I know we all like to answer it in a certain way, next time you face a troubling situation, who do you turn to first? Who's your first point of call? I, I don't turn to my wife. I'm going, God, I need some answers. God's my source. God's my source of protection. And the more I follow his principles, the more his protection covers me. That doesn't mean that I won't walk through difficulties. It means when I walk through difficulties, he is with me. It's important to remember that God is our Father. God is a Father. I was thinking about this as I was drifting off to sleep last night. I was thinking about it, how, how I view my son and my daughter, how they can do the wrong thing sometimes and there's methods of correction to bring them back into the rightful place. But literally after that moment of correction, there's, there's no distance between us. You know, we're still mucking around. And in fact, I know we have this, I don't know if my son realizes this, but there's times when we have to bring correction the night beforehand and we have talkings to and we discuss things and we put things right and we always say goodnight and we always say we love you. And the next morning, the first thing he does is it's, it's hug. It's, I got to reconnect. I got to re... And the same concept with, with a father to a son or a father to a daughter is the same thing between us and God. Like God is a father. He is our heavenly father. And sometimes we can feel, oh, I've done the wrong thing. And we can feel all shy and all nervous before God. And God's like, come. What's stopping you? And it's the same relationship, the same level of connection that we've got to get back to. Where we've got to come back and reconnect with God. I mean, this whole psalm is acknowledging that God is God and that He should be our God, that He is our Father, that He is our source of our protection. But sometimes we can actually... How do we do this? We view God in a way based upon how we understand His abilities or how we understand our level of connection with Him. Oh, I'm not as good. I'm not that good. I've been naughty this week. I've done the wrong thing. Like God's protection isn't going, well, you're level 10, you're level 9, you're level 4, and you're level 2. It's, it's there. It doesn't, he doesn't 
discern between who is better than another person. He just goes, my protection. He who walks in it. And the issue often will lie with us. Our ability to trust Him, our ability to put Him first, our ability to seek Him, our ability to follow His principles. Like this is really simple. I was thinking about this the other day, trying to work out how to write this down. Like God's principles are principles. And we have the option of walking in those principles or not. Like His love doesn't change, but His principles do. Oh, sorry, His principles are just there, right? We can walk in them or not. And amazing how many people don't actually walk in God's principles and don't understand why they're in their situation. Like if you follow his principles, you get the blessing that comes with them. That's it. It's not rocket science. God doesn't go, it's like my son and my daughter. We have principles in our home. We do certain things. We expect certain level of... uh, there's a certain level of expectation of how you behave. And when you miss the mark, you are corrected and you are welcomed back in. It's not that you are discounted. It's not that you are rejected because you've done the wrong thing. You are corrected to bring back onto the right path and you are fully and absolutely accepted. And it's the same thing with God. When they watch something that they're not supposed to watch, it's, hey, we don't watch that. Here's why. This is what happens and this is what happens. We bring you back into correction. But as more they follow the principles, it's not that they get more, more of the, uh, the love because the love is freely given. It's the benefits. Like if my kids do the right thing all the, all the time, and if you haven't worked out, I'm subtly trying to... Right? If they did all the right things all the time, then there's more things that come with it, Right? Kids, are you listening? The more good things you do, the more you listen to your parents, the more benefits there are, right? Like we have to take things away when they don't do what they're supposed to do with things, right? If you do what you're supposed to do, then there's more blessings for it. It's the same thing. This is God. He is a father. I mean, that word slip or moved means to stagger or to be shaken. I mean, it's so easy to sprain your ankle, to twist your ankle, to fall down, to break a bone when the path is uneven and rocky. I mean, God is concerned. Like he takes interest in the steps, in the way we walk through this life. He, he looks to it. He is conscious of it. He is looking. How are you doing this? Can I help you with that? Can I show you my principles of my word so you can walk clearly and walk better so you're not always walking on the rocky path? Can I help you lead you down the right path? Can I lead you down the narrow way? Can you follow my principles? See, God's not stupid, right? He knows that we... Look, don't take this offense. We're like sheep. right? There's a herd of sheep and then one goes, Oh, what's over here? And then they all follow. Right? But God's like, look, here is the green grass. Go to the green grass. And then one goes, what's that over there? And it's brown, gross grass, but he just wants to check it out. And then within five minutes, the whole herd is eating the brown grass and there's fresh green grass over here. And God's like, what? 
It's like, here are my principles, right? Follow my principles, walk in my favor, walk and see all that I can do for you. And we're like, yummy. I mean, that word keep means to guard and protect. He wants to keep us. We're close to him. He wants to guard us. He wants to protect us. He knows what's coming. He knows what's out there. I mean, the first time those words, keep, guard, and protect, right, are used in the Bible is found in Genesis 2.15. And it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it, to protect it, to look after it, um, to guard it, to maintain it, to take care of it. The same concept of us looking after a garden to tend it, and we all know what happens when we don't look after gardens, right? They go to the brown. If you don't water it or you overwater, if you don't take care of it, if you don't put nutrients in the soil, if you don't make sure there's enough sunlight, your garden will die. My wife loves plants now, right, that are indoor. She planted all these vegetables, right? And we got, look, I'm not, we got harvest. And, and then complacency and neglect came in and then they died. But we, we, got, we, got, we, got plant, we got food from them, right? I know my wife was overjoyed the first time she ate one of her snow peas. Excitement plus. See, God put Adam in the garden to keep it, to protect it, and to guard it, to take care of the garden. That's what man's job was. This is your garden. Look after it. In Genesis 28, 5, it says, God promised to keep Jacob, who was the father of the twelve tribes. Now, if you know anything about Jacob, Jacob is, he's a silly boy. He's a really silly boy. Because he does so many stupid things. Yet God gives him the promise that I will keep you. That I will protect you. See, our God isn't distant. He's not sitting in the throne room, presiding over everything, just watching over things, ready to strike you down. I mean, you might even think he's an angry God, but he's not an angry God. He is a gracious God. He is a God of love. He's at our side Shielding us from all harm. We might be amazed actually what he saved us from. We might be amazed what he spared us from if we actually got to see it. I remember hearing one person tell me, oh, you know, when you get to heaven, there'll be two TV screens. You know, the latest LCD, whatever screens. One will show your actual life and then one will show either what you missed out on or, or what, what should have happened. I'm like, that's cruel. That's not God. But can you imagine if you got to see all the things that God spared you from? Like the little things that we don't even notice. Like you're driving down the road and you stop at a red light. It's like, oh! Or you got the every red light journey. I don't know if you've been one of those. I mean, there's sometimes I get in the car and I'm driving somewhere and I literally get every red light. But you don't know what happens if God gave you every green light. It's the little things we don't miss. Or, or the kids couldn't find their shoes this morning. 
And so we were two minutes later to get in the car and drive down the road. But that two minutes could have made a world of difference. How can I say that God shields us from harm? Because I know what should have happened to me. See, I can see the good that's come through my life. The blessings that reign and will preside over this house and our house just because of what he did. Because of what he allowed and what he didn't allow. Sometimes we struggle to appreciate the benefit that God brings unless it arrives in the matter we choose or the box we want it to be in. This is what I want. Why didn't it come in this? Because that's not what God knows that you need. Sometimes my kids don't understand why we do things, just like I didn't when I, until later in life. There comes a time when we all need to trust a loving Father. Believe that even when it doesn't make sense now, it will in due season. And we are not privileged to the end result until the end result. It's not that obedient believers never find themselves in danger or difficulties. Or that you will never feel or experience physical and emotional pain. It's that God often permits or he allows them according to what he is going to give you. According to his will. See, it's not there to harm us. They may, they may hurt us, but they will never harm us. See, the Lord is at your right-hand side, providing you shelter day and night all the time. Day and night, the Father is with us to shelter us from all that could bring us harm. It's the Father's presence that provides all that we need. And we need not be afraid. We have no need to fear life, and yet sometimes we do. We have no need to fear death or today, tomorrow, time, or even eternity. Why? Because we're in the care of the Almighty. All evil means anything that could bring harm. But in His grace, or through His grace, He turns into good that which we think is evil. That which we think is terrible, that which we think is bad, God turns to his good. Joseph endured the slander and hatred of his brother and there was 13 years of separation from his father. There were false accusations, years in prison, there was rejection, all because of his brother's sin. Yet Joseph was able to say at the end, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. Have you ever read the story of Joseph and looked what he went through? And yet he's able to say what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. God positioned him in a place that brought great wealth to Egypt, which later, 440 years down the track, God actually gave to the Israelites because they plundered Egypt when they left it. See, what God is orchestrating in years before your existence or even what you're going for might even benefit your children's children's children. And the pain that we might go through might benefit them. So is it worth it? What I have gone through in order to understand certain things, in order to be, or God to bring me to a certain place, my kids have benefited from. 
I often wonder sometimes whether or not God allowed this accident to take place. Remember, he didn't author it in order so I could come to a mind frame so I could help my son go through his challenges or my daughter through his cha- her challenges. We don't know the full extent of it. But sometimes we're so consumed with the here and now, what I'm going through and the discomfort that I'm going through that we don't understand the benefit that will come later. I think of those words that Joseph said, you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. They're powerful words when you fully understand the fullness of them. Paul even said something similar. He said in Romans 8, 20, he says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. I mean, that God works everything, everything that we endure, everything we go through for the purposes of him. What he has called us to. Paul was kidnapped, he was beaten, he was threatened, he was arrested many times, he was accused, he was interrogated, he was ridiculed, he was ignored, he was shipwrecked three times, he was bitten by a viper, he was whipped five times, beaten with rods, he was pelted with stones. And yet Paul says in 2 Corinthians that he will boast in the Lord. What's the mindset that we need to endure, that we need to go through, the experiences that we need to get through in order before we get to the point where we can still honor God? Where we can go, I will boast in God. It doesn't matter what I've gone through, I will boast in God because He is bigger than my situations. I mean, the phrase in this passage of Scripture, the going out and the coming in, refers to our daily activities of life. God is concerned about our tasks, our schedules and all the minor details. God takes notice of them. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. I think sometimes we think God is so distant that it's not important. Or or that he can't be bothered with, with my concerns. Or, or what I'm going through, just it's not, it's not important enough. But you need to understand the driving force behind everything God does. And it's simply this, relationship. God will move mountains to get to you. God will move mountains to get close to you. Because he cares for you. God will allow things to take place in order to bring you back to him. God allow things to take place that might cause harm in order for you to cry out to him because he is desperately seeking for you, seeking you out to come closer to you, seeking you out because he wants to know, he wants you to know him and he wants you to understand that he is for you. God's not this big meanie that goes, I'll just allow this to happen because they deserved it. No, he's a loving God that wants you, like he wants he wants to know you and when we follow those principles written in his word when we apply more of those principles and his grace covers us and when we don't and his his grace covers us when we miss the mark and the more principles we follow the more benefits we walk in that doesn't take away that we are still his sons and daughters that doesn't take away the fact that he loves us but he goes hear my principles Walk in the fullness of who I am. Walk in the fullness of what I have for you. Just listen and follow my principles. But today we're, I don't know, I'm still trying to work it out. We're so busy listening to ourselves, thinking we are the experts. We're so busy thinking that we have all the answers. And yet God's like, I've already written them down. 
You don't have to do too much. Just read. Just apply. Just do. Like God's literally spelled us out. He's got the path right before us. It's like just walk in this. Walk in this. Just walk in this and see the fullness of what I have. You don't even have to do that much. Just follow his principles. Take one foot in front of the other. I mean, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And the more we apply his principles, the more benefit we get. The more protection we get because we're, just, we're sheltered under that umbrella of his love. We're, we're literally grabbing hold of his leg and we're just like, I'm here with God. Like I'm going through hell right now, but I'm here with God. I ain't moving. I've got my safety place and he's my source. He protects me, covers me, and you know when I get scared, I'm there. I can, I can, oh, no, I'll come back. And it's like little children, like that's why Jesus said, he says, don't forbid the little children, because such is the kingdom of God. Like we're going to become like little children and understand who our daddy is. And that can be a hard concept for a man to take home, but I'm telling you, if you get it, it's phenomenal. Like I come from a broken home, right? My daddy wasn't around. So me learning this principle of having a heavenly father has impacted my life like no end. Like I've looked to God, to men who are older than me to be some sort of source of, of, of a father figure in my life and I keep finding the door shut and I'm like, God, at one stage I'm sitting there going, God, what are you doing? It's like, I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy. Like, I'm your daddy. I want to never leave you. I want to not forsake you. I won't reject you. Come to me. So I did. And I do. And when an earthly man can't fulfill the gap that was left for my, heavenly, my earthly father, my heavenly father can. Like he's my source, my protection. Like at what point in time can we go through everything and still go, you know what, whatever. God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. I'm telling you, God's got it. God's got it. Whatever it is, God's got it. God's got the answer. And sometimes because we don't have the answer there and then, we... We can lose sight. We can get scared. But God's got it. Like God's got it. Like God's got it. We're going to pray. We're, we're going to close the meeting. We got tea and coffee and there's like light lunch. I invite you to fellowship. I invite you to get to know each other. I invite, to make, uh, invite you to make time to get to, to, to meet and to greet and have a cup of coffee. But what I invite you more to do is to come to know your Heavenly Father. To make the step. See, if you're far from Him, if you've never, never walked with Him, if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, if you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian, then I want to make a time for you right now to make that choice. I'll be down the front. You come and talk to me. If you want prayer, I'll be down the front as well. But we're going to pray. We're going to close the meeting. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that no matter what happens, you are our source of protection, that you are our Father, that you are a God of love, that you are a God of mercy and a God of grace, that you see our best. And that may not necessarily be how we view ourselves, but you see our very best. Father, I speak into every person here and I speak your very best into our lives. Father, I speak your protection, your covering, your hedge of protection, your favor, everything that comes with that. Father, that we would walk in your principles. 
that we would yearn or decide that we would choose to move closer to you, to get to know you, to develop your principles in our lives. Father, I speak your mighty hand upon your people, your blessings and your favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.